There are times where it seems like our species is utterly lost in conflict and violence. To turn on the news in the morning is to witness one fight after another. Of course, at the forefront of our minds right now are the protests calling for an end to police brutality and racism in our criminal justice system. This time is, is calling on us to make a profound reappraisal of the history of our nation. This time calls on us to see the racism and colonialism not only shape who we were as a nation, but shape who we are now. But we also seem to be lost in the, in the conflict of animosity that exists between political parties and, and factions in our society. We are plagued by corruption with impunity at the highest level of government. We know the ever-present reality of gun violence looms over us all, from which no one is truly safe. We can look to the domestic violence that exists in far too many of our homes. We can look to the structural violence against the poor who are, who are not provided adequate medical care or the most basic necessities. We even seem to be at war with our own planet and our environment. Conflict, conflict and violence seem to be everywhere. And so, of course, it is natural for us to want to escape from it. We long for peace and safety and security. We long to patch up the divisions that separate us, to turn the page to a new day. And as Christians, we ultimately long for the peace of God, which passes all understanding. But here comes Jesus in today's gospel lesson. This is not the, the Jesus that we are most comfortable hearing. This does not sound like the Prince of Peace or the gentle pastoral Jesus of so much of our imaginings. Rather, this morning, Jesus might sound like a stranger to our ears. For at the center of our gospel lesson, Jesus alarmingly declares, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. Far from avoiding or escaping conflict, Jesus tells us that he has come for conflict and that his ministry draws out animosity and enmity. But more than just that, Jesus tells his disciples that they too will be caught up in the conflict of his mission. As Jesus himself has received derision and has been linked to evil forces, so too 
should the disciple expect the same sort of treatment as Jesus? In fact, Jesus warns the disciples that following him could sow division in even the most basic of human relationships. Parents and children at odds. Division in households. Jesus proclaims that, that following him means taking up one's cross. Following him means losing one's life in order to find it. Instead of being meek and mild, Jesus presents himself as being in the very center of conflict, calling on his disciples to come and follow him. Quite frankly, this might seem like the last thing we need. Because to our minds, we don't need more conflict. We need less. And if Jesus is in the business of bringing conflict and division, then we might naturally wonder what's the point. Because we've got about all that we can handle. But here's the thing. Jesus will not let his disciples be complacent. Jesus will not let them sit still. For Jesus knows that so much of what we call peace is not peace at all. Jesus knows that the thing we often think of as peace is shot through with violence and oppression and injustice. For Jesus, real peace means good news for the poor. And to Jesus, the poor are the hungry and the unhoused, the unemployed, the prisoner, those who have lost hope and those who suffer. They are the marginalized. They are those who have nothing and thus are considered nothing in the eyes of the world. It is to them that Jesus brings good news. It is to them that Jesus declares God's love and God's welcome and reveals to them their very own dignity and worth. A true peace, an actual real peace, will mean that those who are oppressed are lifted up and cared for. Jesus calls this peace the kingdom of God. The kingdom is the reality of God's true and real peace breaking into this world, where the dignity of each and every person is recognized and affirmed. And paradoxically, it is because the kingdom embodies this true and real peace that it must also bring conflict. It is because God's reign embodies unity and solidarity, that it must bring division. For the kingdom of God is not a bland neutrality or a, or a type of papered over peace where everyone knows their place in the status quo. No, no, in the kingdom, Christ tears down every division and boundary 
that human beings wish to erect. In the kingdom, each and every bigotry and hatred that we would look to justify, Christ proclaims as vile and unjustifiable. And so in this way, Christ must take sides, not along the lines of finding Democrats preferable to Republicans or Americans preferable to the Chinese, but rather God chooses the side of the poor, not only for their own sake, but also to save the rich by liberating them from their self-complacency and greed. God chooses the side of the sinner, not only for their own sake, but in order to save the righteous by revealing to the righteous that they also need forgiveness. God chooses the side of the oppressed, not only for their own sake, but to also liberate the oppressor. Indeed, God chooses the side of life in order to free us all from the power of death. If we would look to follow Jesus, then we must discern how we might also choose life. The gospel of Christ and of God's kingdom is a radical message. And to live into this message will bring us into inevitable conflict with those forces and powers which look to dehumanize and oppress. We cannot make peace with oppression and violence. We cannot make peace with bigotry and hatred. And if we are going to seek the kingdom of God first and above all things, then this might even bring us into conflict with those to whom we are closest and to those who we love the most. But conflict is not necessarily bad. In our recent history, the civil rights movement or the, the peace movement or the anti-apartheid movement were conflicts that gave life. In this Pride Month, the move to try to increase the, the rights of LGBTQ plus people were conflicts that gave life. These movements revealed injustice and dehumanization and violence. They longed to push the human family toward healing and unity and real peace. And I think that in this time, in this time, the Black Lives Matter movement and the calls to radically address racism in our criminal justice system and in our society are also calls for the coming of a true and actual peace. So too are the continued movements to address the rights of LGBTQ plus people or the cause of immigration or labor or climate change. These are conflicts entered into so that we might all be healed and so that a true peace might be realized. Ultimately, the gospel proclaims 
that God has already won the victory through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And yet, and yet each of us has been given the gift of the Holy Spirit so that we might answer the call to participate in God's victory through our following of Jesus and our service to one another. We each must discern how we might bear witness through our words and deeds and through our lives to God's true and real and ultimate peace. My prayer this day is that we may find, each find, our true lives as we come to embrace and embody God's vision of justice and real and ultimate peace. Amen.